This has got to be the most ridiculous vice president we have ever had. She's getting a great big kick out of it all. Now she's on her first big international trip, and uh, everything is just uh, funny to her. Even sacred obligations of national security are somehow a joke. So she's all the way down in Guatemala, which is more than a thousand miles away from the Texas-Mexico border, you know, the hot spot. She was asked about that, watch. Put a button. Okay. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole, this whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. <laughs> the point that he's making is Joe Biden said that you're in charge of the border situation, shoring it up and you're blowing it off. The whole administration is, we know. I mean, Joe's on your side here. But what a ridiculous display. And there was more today from Guatemala. Listen, I can, I've been to the border before. I will go again. But when I'm in Guatemala <laughs> dealing with root causes, I think we should have a conversation about what's going on in Guatemala. Uh, she thinks she can, like, flirt her way out of any situation. It's worked for her in the past. I'll get to that in a second. But when it gets comes to uh, border issues, this is her go-to response. Giggling. Do you have plans to visit the border? Uh, um, not today. <laughs> <laughs> now, the thing is, when she gets serious, she's just as ineffective as when she's silly. You think this is going to make any kind of difference when it comes to our border crisis? I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. Hey, that's going to do it, right? <laughs> I can feel everybody turning around. They are mid-river turning around and heading back down south. That's all it took. The vice president going to Guatemala and saying, don't come. Don't come. What are we doing with this person as vice president of the United States? She obviously is not a serious person. And I mentioned the flirting. It was a key part of her rise. All right. All the way back to uh, the Willie Brown days. Take a look at this from Peter Schweitzer's book, Profiles in Corruption. She and Willie Brown were quite the item. Willie Brown being San Francisco mayor, former California State Assembly speaker. Willie Brown was married in 1958 and remains so today. But that did not matter. Brown was 60 at the time and began dating Kamala, who was 29. Brown was actually two years older than her father. Their affair was the talk of San Francisco in 1994. This all led to something, though. Brown began pulling levers for Harris that both boosted her career and put money in her pocket, rewarding Kamala with appointments to state commissions that paid handsomely and did not require confirmation by the legislature. Uh, Willie Brown helped make her career. And somebody else did, too. Barack Obama. Yeah, he was crazy about Kamala Harris. I mean, big time. The chemistry was palpable. And he could not help, even the fake news pointed this out, making borderline inappropriate comments when he was around her. When is telling a woman she's good looking not a compliment? 
perhaps when the woman is California's top law enforcement officer, a possible future attorney general of the United States, even a potential Supreme Court nominee. The American dream belongs to all of us. And the person delivering the compliment is the president of the United States. It all started with an ad-libbed comment at a private fundraiser in California Thursday. Mr. Obama praised California Attorney General Kamala Harris, a longtime friend of his and Michelle Obama's, as a tough administrator of the law who gives everyone a fair shake. But then Mr. Obama added, she also happens to be by far the best-looking attorney general in the country. It's not so much what he said, and look, that's a fine statement, but she likes this stuff. This is how she connects, okay? This is why she thinks flirting, giggling, is somehow a sufficient answer to our border problems. It's obviously not. The flirting with these two, Barack and uh, Kamala, it was wide open as recently as last summer. Tell me about Joe and your relationship with Joe. Uh, he's not that into talking about another man right now. She's just so tickled about everything. I don't think he wants to talk about Joe. This is interesting how he talks about Joe, though. Watch. The main thing to know about Joe is that Joe uh, has never lost his sense of why we do this. And we do yes. it because of, you know, for him, memories of his family, uh, yeah. back in Scranton and yeah. then the people of Delaware that he represented, the folks on the Amtrak train he met uh, yeah. each and every day. Uh, he is, he's constantly aware that that is why mm-hmm. we do this and that everything um, that comes up, his focus is going to be how's that going to help uh, uh, those people who, yeah. who, who, who sent him there. This is, they tell me, one of the best speakers in the last 100 years, President Obama. Uh, uh, yeah, Joe is, um, he's got like a family in, in Scranton and uh, he rep- represented and uh, stand up. Right. Here's the key. Here's the key to understanding Kamala and understanding Joe. They hate each other. They hate each other. Even Dr. Jill Biden has basically admitted as much. They do not like each other. But Barack Obama, I believe, made this partnership happen. It's artificial, it's ugly, and I think it could come undone someday. Joe's got to watch his back, and Kamala's got to watch her back. In the meantime, we all have to watch our back because the truth is not being told, I believe, about January 6th. A lot of people do not want the information out. I do. This was not a step in the right direction. This is the... uh, Uh, Senate review of security planning and response failures on January 6th. It's about 128 pages long, and it does not tackle any of the issues that I think need tackling, that everybody should think needs tackling, like this moment. Why were the cops just standing there in so many instances? Yeah, why, why? And why did this officer right here let so many people in? See this, waving them in as those barricades are removed. Why did this happen? And of course, why was the unarmed Ashley Babbitt shot and killed by Capitol Police? 
No warning, she was unarmed. And it's barely touched in this report on page 25. All they say is the DOJ closed its investigation into Ms. Babbitt's death, citing insufficient evidence to support a criminal prosecution of the USCP officer. I already knew that. You already knew that. I came out months ago. No more information. Devin Nunes will be with us. He's a truth teller, and he wants to get to the bottom of it. Stay with us. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. This person is controlling our culture right now. Her name is Mara Gay, an editorial writer for The New York Times, and she represents so many in the woke left. They really are pulling the strings culturally, and this is how she thinks. I think as long as they see Americanness as the same as one with whiteness, this is going to continue. We have to figure out how to get every American a place at the table in this democracy, but how to separate Americanness, America, from whiteness. She said that on Morning Joe, and everybody on Morning Joe said, mm, yes, indeed, separate Americanness from whiteness. Great point, Mara Gay. No, it's racist, it's hateful, and it's ignorant. There's more. I was on Long Island this weekend uh, visiting a really dear friend, and I was really disturbed. I saw you know, dozens and dozens of pickup trucks with, uh, you know, uh, explicatives against Joe Biden uh, on the back of them, yep. uh, Trump yep. flags, and some cases just dozens of American flags, which, you know, uh, is also just disturbing because essentially the message was clear. It was, this is my country. This is not your yep. country. I own this. Uh, so an American flag triggered her somehow. Sounds like she's got a great big chip on her shoulder. I was on Long Island, too, this weekend. I had a very different experience. Then again, when I see a pickup truck and American flag, I'm not triggered. I actually think it's pretty cool. This is cool. Other trucks like that are cool. And by the way, Mara might want to read her own newspaper because guess what? Black people buy pickup trucks, too. A 2018 piece showed just that about luxury vehicles. And yes, there's his name is Mr. Victorian, and he's very proud in front of his Ford F-150 truck. All right. What an insane thing to say and think. But that kind of thinking is catching on. That's what it's all about. All right. You know about this actress from The Office, and she was also in The, uh, the Invincible Kimmy Schmidt, something like that on Netflix. Uh, here she is. I'm your new roommate. I will be very comfortable in here. That a secret. I am one of the Indiana Mole women. From the news. I spent 15 years in that bunker eating beans out of a Florida Marlins cap. I just want to be a normal right. person. I'm having So that's her, dinner. and she's pretty good. Uh, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, by the way. Well, she made a mistake, and boy, oh boy, is she apologizing. It's not a mistake, but in today's culture, it's seen as a mistake. She went to some prom-like cotillion thing in 1999. Here's a picture of her at the big dance. And somebody decided that, uh, oh, this is uh, racist. I can't even begin to understand how it's racist, but 
Some crazy person online has convinced others that this thing was racist. It was celebrated in the local press at the time. Nobody called it racist, but somehow it's racist. And today, today she is apologizing, and not just apologizing, abjectly apologizing. Here it is on Instagram, pages and pages. I was not aware of the history, but the ignorance is no excuse. I was old enough to have educated myself. It goes on. I unequivocally deplore, denounce, and reject white supremacy. At the same time, I acknowledge that because of my race and privilege, I am the beneficiary of a system that has dispensed unequal justice and unequal rewards. This is the insane dialogue that is happening in America. It's very much like what happened in the Cultural Revolution in China. And it's touching every aspect of our lives. Oh, um, who likes The Bachelor? It's on another network, but it was a fun show hosted by Chris Harrison. Remember him? Well, Chris will no longer be on that show. He made the horrible mistake of defending a girl who was accused of being a racist because she wore the wrong dress to some dance a couple of years ago. And guess what? Cancel culture came for her, and they came for Chris Hansen merely for defending this young girl. Chris, I believe, made a big mistake by giving in to the mob. Watch this. I made a mistake, and I own that. Racism, oppression, these are big dynamic problems and they take serious work and I am committed to that work. Counsel, not cancel. And that is full accountability, understanding what you didn't understand, owning that, learning from that, seeking counsel often in the community that you hurt. Chris Harrison, by the way, uh, that was all a little much. Let's face it, laying it on a little bit too thick. He did nothing wrong to begin with. But when you apologize to the mob, the mob doesn't accept it. And certainly not the leaders of the woke left, the cultural elite, of which Michael Strahan is a proud member. Watch his reaction to what Chris Harrison told him. Well, his apology is his apology, but it felt like it got nothing more than a surface response on any of this. And obviously, he's the man who wants to clearly stay on the show, but only time will tell if there is any meaning behind his words. Forgiveness, acceptance, moving on. Well, he doesn't even have anything to apologize for. It is so ridiculous and warped. By the way, who is the new, at least temporary host of The Bachelor? David Spade, comedian. Happened to be one in, in one of my favorite movies, uh, Tommy Boy. That was fantastic. But uh, I never thought of him as being a politically correct guy. Then again, he is more famous than Chris Harrison. And sometimes that is what this is all about as well. Who knows? In the meantime, a crazy conversation is happening in this country. But we want to have a serious conversation about serious matters that so many are afraid to have. Black lives do matter, not just when a black life is taken by a white cop. That's what the Black Lives Matter movement says, but all lives matter, including the life of eight-year-old Shakoria Turner. Now, she was shot and killed last July 4th during a BLM protest. Her family on Monday filed a lawsuit against the city of Atlanta and the mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms. She was in her mother's car when someone opened fire at the protest near that Wendy's where Richard Brooks 
have been killed weeks earlier. Turner's parents filed the wrongful death suit, citing the city for allowing BLM protesters to put up their own barricades and block off vehicles. The father is furious and heartbroken. We're here for accountability. Everyone that, that was in cause of this happening, how could you let protests take over busy streets in Atlanta and let no one go down that street to patrol? People stand, saying that they standing for something, falling for anything. We're just here for accountability and to make sure everybody that is responsible or that it, that is cause for her losing her life. 20-year-old Julian Conley is charged with felony murder and aggravated assault. She was just eight years old, Shakoria Turner. We'll be right back. January 6, 2021. Some Democrats are trying to say this was worse than Pearl Harbor and 9-11 put together. Obviously, that is not the case, but it is being used as a political weapon that day. A report uh, from the United States Senate, a bipartisan report, but quite frankly, in my opinion, it uh, didn't do much, didn't do much at all. And there was absolutely no resolution, uh, no new information about the death of Ashley Babbitt, which, as you know, is very important to me. I'd like to bring in the experts, though. We have Congressman Devin Nunes, Republican of California from the House Intelligence Committee, the ranking member, and Representative Rick Crawford, Republican of Arkansas, House Intelligence Committee member. Gentlemen, welcome to you both. Uh, Congressman Nunes, first to you. Your reaction to the Senate's report, please. Well, first of all, I think it's clear, Greg, that the Congress actually can take their time and put out reports. And that's essentially what you see here. This is the first attempt by Senate staff to put out a report. So there's no need for special commissions and spending billions of dollars. We already know what it takes. We know there was Capitol Hill uh, police failures. We know that the security was not adequate enough in terms of probably proper fencing, at least temporary fencing that needs to be around. But we know this, that we don't need a commission and we don't need to spend billions of more dollars on securing the Capitol. We just have to do it smarter, bring in the people that know. We know the vulnerabilities. Let's fix it to make sure that the dozen or two or three or four, that we still don't know who they are, which is what I've been asking, that broke the windows and damaged federal property need to be prosecuted appropriately. The rest of the people, I think it needs to be evaluated as to what really happened. Congressman Crawford. Yep. Well, I agree with that. And I think there were some, some failures that you can point to, most notably within uh, the Capitol Police. That is the ability to share information that they were uh, uh, given from, for example, of DC Metro Police which told them that there could be an event um, and activity ramped up of this nature, and yet there wasn't the appropriate action taken. So there has to be better leadership and better sharing. Uh, and, and quite frankly, I think they need to be better equipped from a standpoint of collecting open source intelligence that told the story that this was possible in advance. And there were a lot of breakdowns in that communication that uh, wasn't acted on appropriately. So here's a couple of things that leapt out at me right off the bat. They said on page one that three law enforcement officers lost their lives, and that actually is not true. Uh, two were suicides. We have had no information about those suicides being related to uh, January 6th. And then Officer Sicknick, we've been lied to time and time again, first with the, uh, the uh, fire extinguisher in the head, Trump supporters, then bear spray, and now a medical uh, seizure of some type. That is a big problem, Congressman Nunes. And, and uh, Ashley Babbitt, 
Uh, by the way, I know you're not responsible for this, but the Ashley Babbitt situation has a lot of us concerned, and it was not nearly adequately addressed. Well, I would say this, Greg, at least uh, for once, they didn't blame global warming. So we're making progress on that front, at least. But let me be serious on the Ashley Babbitt situation. This is now, uh, the family has now filed a lawsuit. And in any normal circumstance where you have an officer-involved shooting, you have people that immediately go out there and say, where's the videotapes? Where's the videotapes? We need to know what officer did this. And immediately those officers are under scrutiny. Now, I don't wish any officer to be under scrutiny, but you have to actually look at this like we've seen around the, the country, whenever there's been an officer-involved shooting, those officers' names are made public. Why are we living under a different set of rules? And I think that's what the Babbitt family is probably asking, and I agree with them. I think that, that we should know who the officer is. And one further note that we talked about here a couple weeks ago on your show, House Republicans, we still haven't seen the videotapes. There's supposedly 14,000 hours of videotapes from inside the Capitol. Now, why is that? Why do we not have that? Why do we not have an accounting of the dozens of people that actually broke the windows versus the people who just walked in openly because the Capitol Police let them in? Those are the questions that I think remain that need to be answered. And plus the people that are being prosecuted, are they being prosecuted differently and held to a different standard? And do they have their rights as U.S. citizens being, are those rights being violated? And if you look at the work at American Greatness that Julie Kelly has done, she's exposed a lot of this, the, the, what it appears to be, at least from her reporting, that people are not being given their due process, the, the basic rights that we have as U.S. citizens that were involved in the riot at the Capitol that day. It's incredible. The Horns guy, who was a bit of a clown, you know, shouldn't have been doing what he was doing, but he's still in custody. And I've watched all the footage, and there he is on the right, he didn't break anything and he didn't hurt anybody. This guy is giving him directions into the Senate, the officer there, and he's still in custody. A lot of these people, are, Congressman Crawford, uh, this is un-American. Uh, yeah, in a quick and speedy trial, look, if, if there are bad actors there, let's prosecute those individuals and move on. But they're being held uh, for an extended period of time, as Devin mentioned. Uh, families are concerned about uh, what's taking place here. Why this level of secrecy? There, there are there are officer-involved shootings in the past where have, you know they've been very transparent. Information has been very forthcoming, and the families have been able to you know come to some resolution about what happened and what took place. We're just not seeing that here, and it makes me kind of wonder if there is some sort of an agenda uh, behind this. Why is this being slow walked? Why are we seeing the smoke screens continually? as we try to get to the bottom of these issues. Oh, there's an agenda. All right, there is an agenda. And oh, by the way, Black Lives Matter was there, at least that Jaden X character who captured the killing of Ashley Babbitt on tape. I've got questions about other people who were there. Uh, gentlemen, we'll leave it at that for now. Uh, lots of more questions that need to be answered. David Nunez and Rick Crawford, we appreciate it so much, gentlemen. Thank Thanks. you, Greg. All right, be right back. If you look at the evolution of the virus in bats and what's out there now, 
is very, very strongly leaning towards this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated. Are you still confident that it developed naturally? I'm not convinced uh, about that. I think that we should continue to investigate what went on in China until we find out to the best of our ability exactly what happened. Just something else that Dr. Fauci has been all over the place on, uh, but it does seem to be emerging something of a consensus that the Wuhan coronavirus was man-made. Uh, an interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal by Stephen Quay and Richard Muller, they conclude that the scientific evidence points to that the virus was developed in a laboratory. He took a very good look at this, Dr. Muller and his colleague, and he joins us right now. Dr. Muller is from the University of California, Berkeley, and a former senior scientist at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. Sir, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, are you convinced it's only pointing in that direction? Break that down for us, though. How likely, to, in, in, in layman's terms? Um, odds are roughly a billion to one in favor of it being uh, artificially manipulated in the laboratory. A billion to one. Wow. What brought you to that conclusion, sir? Well, there's, so, there's a huge amount of evidence uh, in favor of what we call the laboratory origin. And uh, there, we looked at the evidence in favor of it being natural. And a year ago, there was evidence of it being natural. And this is why so many people came to that conclusion. But that evidence has disintegrated. Uh, the claims made by the Chinese that they had done this, they had measured it in the lab, they had found the source, they had been bats in the, uh, in, in, in the wet market. Uh, that's why all the scientists were saying it, it's clearly natural. But now they've withdrawn those. We found there were no bats in the wet market. In fact, the first cases didn't even come from the wet market. So the case for natural has basically evaporated. Now let's take a look at the, uh, at, at, at the lab manipulation. Um, there's a great deal of evidence, uh, some people call it circumstantial, that uh, Steve Quay and I decided to ignore we wanted to focus in only on the science. The science is that small realm of knowledge in which everybody can agree. And, and so we looked at that. And there are, there are a whole bunch of things in the science. I'm just gonna mention two of them. One is there is a, there's a fingerprint in the uh, virus. Uh, people say there's no whistleblower, there's no eyewitness, oh, there is the virus. It has come back and we can analyze it and we can measure it along its length in great detail. And when we do that, there is something really peculiar that was purposely covered up by the Wuhan laboratory. In their publication, they omitted including this in. The fingerprint is a sequence of, of, of codes uh, that tells the virus how to open up the cell and it inject its material in. And uh, the code is a very peculiar one because it's not found in any of the other uh, beta coronaviruses. The whole class of coronaviruses that, that, that uh, hold the, the COVID virus, none of them have this, this sequence in it. The code happens to be the exact code that is used in the Wuhan laboratory when they're trying to do what's called gain of function. When they want to stick something in, this code, we call it the CGG, CGG, or double SIG code. This double SIG code is in there. It's not found naturally uh -huh. uh, in any of the other coronaviruses, but it is precisely the one 
that is put in uh, by the Wuhan Institute uh, well, in their previous experiments. Sir, uh, it's so impressive, your knowledge, and that statistic or that those odds, a billion to one. Look, I know scientists stick together, but uh, I'll say this about Dr. Fauci. He seems to uh, only like ideas if they're his. I feel like he's threatened by new information. Any sense, you heard what he said earlier, you know, he was so convinced uh, that this occurred in nature. And we're seeing the emails. It was not that cut and dried, even behind the scenes. Just what's your sense about the politics of all this and, and where he was coming from? There's real fear in the virology community that one of their group uh, at Wuhan um, had a terrible accident and killed millions of people. And they fear that this will cause a repression of virology research that will have a big impact, that people will be looking over their shoulders and prohibiting them from doing certain kinds of experiments. So among, among the, and there's another fear. Uh, among my virologist friends, they say, if I were to help you look into this, I would be labeled an enemy of China by China and uh, would get no more cooperation with them. They're some of the best virologists in the world. We have work we do along with them, and that will be denied us. So there is a real fear among the scientists that uh, that even getting involved in addressing this issue is, is something that will, will cause harm. Finally, you said um, an accident in the lab. Uh, Gordon Chang, um, expert on China, thinks, actually mentioned a year ago, it's conceivable that it was done deliberately. Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I, I would certainly be open to the possibility that they had planned to do this something like this deliberately at some time in the future. But the pattern and the way it broke out is, is not the way it would have it would have happened deliberately. If you were going to do it deliberately, uh, you would have had it secretly transported to someplace near Fort Detrick, Maryland, <laughs> and have it accidentally released there so everybody would blame Fort Detrick. No, if, if they were going to do it deliberately, they would have done it in a much smarter way. Professor Muller, we thank you very, very much. Uh, we're going to put a link on our website, Newsmax.com, but our regards to uh, uh, Dr. Quay, and thank you very much. A billion to one. Thank you for the clarity. I appreciate it so much. You're welcome. Stinchfield, how are you, Grant? What's going on? Oh, I'm good, Greg. You know, I've been saying for a long time that China is at war with the United States. One of those legs of their war is the fentanyl that they are pushing into America. Joe Biden's not doing anything to stop it. We're gonna break down exactly what China is doing and what Joe Biden could do to save American lives tonight on the program, Greg. F fentanyl, is that in heroin? What is fentanyl? I, I, I know it it's kinda. an opioid, basically. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a very powerful opioid. They use it in almost every street drug imaginable. And what happens is you get these overdose deaths from it because People just don't understand quite how powerful it is. It's scary stuff, and I'm convinced, Greg, that China's sending here and on purpose with the sole goal of killing Americans. Wow. You know, I saw somebody shooting up uh, not too far from where I live. I've heard about it. I've seen it in the movies, but I never actually saw somebody with the needle in their arm right there on the street. It was something to see. Yeah, Very nasty sad. Nasty stuff. Yeah. Nasty stuff. Grant, sounds great. We'll see you later, and I'll be right back. Well, that's Hunter Biden, son of Joe. We know he's got all kinds of problems, unfortunately, sadly, drug addict, alcoholic, most likely corrupt. And now this, could he be a racist as well? New text messages have emerged where 
Hunter Biden, in blue there, is using the N-word left and right when he's talking to his lawyer, when he's talking to this guy, that guy. The N-word, he uses it like um, punctuation. I want to bring in Rudy Giuliani, former mayor of New York City, uh, worked for a time as President Trump's attorney, and he knows this stuff backwards and forwards. Welcome, sir. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, Greg, how are you? Pretty good. Um, <laughs> so in addition to everything else that was kind of bad about Hunter Biden, now there's this, the N-word. Uh, you have no doubt whatsoever about the authenticity of these text messages? No, no, they're not Russian disinformation, Greg, unlike uh, the phony Democrats in newspapers say. These come uh, directly from the man who was repairing his laptop. They've been verified about 20 different ways, now including by the FBI. So uh, you, you've never heard them deny one thing on there. And it contains, I mean, this is terrible language, but it's, you know, just typical of what's on there. I mean, the real responsibility for this is Joe Biden, though. This Hunter Biden had a drug problem from the time he was 18, 19 years old. And instead of taking care of him, his father introduced him to some of the most dangerous and some of the most crooked people in the world so his father could make money. I mean, they're, they're, it's all spelled out in the text message in which Hunter says that he's been collecting money for dad for 30 years and he's got to give 50 percent to his father. It's only because of our corrupt media that the American people don't know that. It's amazing how they have ignored so much of this New York Post. They were terrific. But, sir, let me ask you this. I mean, look, all the stuff that you just summarized, that's the important stuff. This is unsavory. This is not nice. He's using the N-word. Yeah, now, he's using the N-word, by the way. I just want to point this out because he's using it in a way, arguably, I don't agree with this, but arguably it's less offensive. Why? Because it's the n and there's an A at the end of the N word, if you know what I mean. Some people say that. I don't like it. I don't think they should say it, but there's that. But again, I don't think they should either. And the only reason it becomes important is for far less than this, people have been driven out of their jobs, hounded, taken off television, uh, had their careers destroyed. Uh, it just gives you the, a, a kind of a sense of the hypocrisy of all this. I mean, the Bidens can do anything. Including, I mean, there's far worse things on there. How about the message in which the psychiatrist says he's a danger to the children? And then all you have to do is look at the pictures in there, and you can tell the psychiatrist is absolutely right, given the way in which he was going around the house where two young children lived. And then some of the other pictures that I won't even mention, in which the FBI and the Delaware police have covered up. They have a responsibility to protect children, by the way, even if it is a Biden, and they completely shirk that responsibility. This is disgraceful, Greg. It's absolutely disgraceful what's happened to American justice in order to, 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 to turn it around so they can protect this. this. I mean, the guy, among other things, there's like one crime after another that's revealed on there. Easy crimes that people get prosecuted for all the time. How about all the drug use? Biden, Biden passed a law that put all these African-American people in jail forever for using probably one-tenth of the drugs his son was using. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. Mm. Hey, uh, Mr. Mayor, and you know I'm on your side. I think you've been unfairly um, persecuted. <laughs> You're darn right I have. Uh, you've been unfairly persecuted, and you're in your office right now. And I know the FBI showed up there a couple of weeks ago looking for material. Can you update us on 
on what's happening with that. They, they took some electronic devices. They were very selective about it. It was pretty obvious to me that it was political. What's happening? What have they told you? Oh, they don't tell me anything. They've been investigating me for over two years now, Greg. I mean, and they're investigating me for failing to file. And I just noticed uh, they have a similar case against Steve Winter as a civil case, except he failed to file about China, which is one of our enemies. My failure to file was for some uh, Ukrainian prosecutor general which everybody knew I was dealing with anyway. I, first of all, I didn't have to file. And secondly, there was no harm, no foul. Everybody knew I was involved with it. Nobody knew that Steve Wynn was lobbying for China. Now, I don't want to see Steve get in trouble. I think this law is being misused. But why are they pursuing him civilly? And for two years, they're trying to put me in jail. Something unfair about that, maybe? Yeah, no, it seems in... All right. So technically right now, Hunter Biden is under investigation. Um, but oh. I've, it, but you shake your head because it does seem like there's absolutely no momentum and nothing's happening and nothing will happen. Well, they've had this hard drive now for two years. The hard drive is crying out for investigation. The hard drive says that children are in danger. He even admits it. Hunter admits it. And these people who are supposed to be American law enforcement have done nothing about it. Five weeks ago, it came out that he signed a false application for a revolver. He denied that he was a drug addict. There's a picture of him using drugs five days before. You know how the law is enforced in New York. He'd be in jail in two minutes for that. Who is he? Why is he getting away with this? I'll tell you why. Because of Joe Biden and the corrupt influence of the Democratic Party on these DAs, I mean, the district attorney's office in Manhattan is afraid to go after a Democrat, but they'll 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 search Donald Trump's whole life. In the case of Donald Trump and me and the Trump people, they investigate to try to find a crime. What prosecutors are supposed to do is investigate crimes, not try to go find crimes. Well, they got about 100 in the hard drive crimes. They don't have to go investigate and find them. Yeah, they got them right there. And when I offered the hard drive to the FBI agent, after ripping apart my law office and taking attorney-client privilege material, which doesn't even seem to bother the judge, they're going to have a, a master go through it. Nobody should go through this. This is attorney-client privilege material. And I, I, only, only lawyers I know that get raided are Trump lawyers. So, Mr. Mayor, it's probably the least of Hunter Biden's problems, uh, the news of the day, the N-word throughout his text messages. Uh, but it is kind of ironic that it's uh, coming to light now, just a day or so after, uh, or a few days, actually, after President Biden's big speech at Tulsa, uh, where he basically labeled us all a racist country. And uh, here are some highlights from Joe Biden when it comes to talking about race. He should talk, huh? Watch. Yeah, you should. You're absolutely right, Greg. We have racists, and they've existed, and they've tried to get elected president. He's the first one that has. What you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community. And the way he pits people against one another is all designed to divide the country. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. <laughs> And he's you know, the guy who's going to lecture us, Mr. Mayor, on race. 
I get I get so angry when he does that. I, I really do. I mean, he tells us we're systemically racist, which means that almost all of America is racist. Systemically means pervasive, thorough, the entire organization. He has said a hundred times that America is systemically racist. The Chinese have written it down and thrown it in his face. It means we're an unfair country. We're an evil country. Well, Joe, speak for yourself. I never had any friends that were the head of the KKK. You did. I never made the comments about busing that you made or about my children not growing up in a jungle. Maybe the kid learned to talk that way because of you, Joe, because you're a damn phony and you're a crook <laughs> for 30 years. Maybe the attorney general doesn't have the guts to go after you. But you know that I know you and your family have been crooked for 30 years. You've stolen millions of dollars. You don't belong anywhere in that White House. You belong in another house. And that's why you want to destroy me. But you're not going to do it, Joe. The big now, house. Be president of the United States, even if the New York Times wants him there. Hey, wait a second. I got to fact check you, though. He was not the grand wizard of the KKK. He was an imperial cyclops in the KKK. <laughs> I thought he was a... You know, I thought he was a grand cyclops. <laughs> Maybe he was a grand cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's not funny. I, it's not. Well, I don't know it's, any, it's you know so ridiculous. I know. It's ridiculous. Listen, you know Mr. Mayor. I can, <laughs> Mr. Mayor, you're the best. Thank you. Come back anytime and we'll be right back. We must never forget that Joe Biden and his family took millions of dollars from the Chinese Communist Party. They bought them off. They flagrantly lied about it to the American voters. Uh, if you remember, it was a big deal at the time, and then all of a sudden it was canceled. They didn't want to talk about it. The big tech and the fake news media didn't want to talk about it. So that speech on Saturday night in North Carolina by former President Trump was carried only by Newsmax. This is a major newsmaker, of course, folks. None of the other networks, the major networks, carried the speech. Kind of ridiculous when you think about it. He is a news-making machine, and he's great TV. Why didn't they do it? That's up to them, but I'm glad we did, and so are you. A lot of you watched. Take a look. Trump's speech draws 1.8 million to Newsmax beats Fox News in key rating. That, in a very big way, is a success. Thank you, President Trump, and thank you to the executives here at Newsmax who made the right call. Not sure what they're thinking over there at Fox News and all the other places. Folks, thanks for being with us, and stand by for Cinchfield. I'll see you tomorrow.